0: The title of today's message is Building God's Church. God is building his church. I want to show you that something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. He says this. He's speaking to Peter. Peter just finally gets the revelation of who Jesus is. Peter makes the first confession. You are the Messiah right before this. And Jesus goes, Peter, you didn't get that on your own. That's revelation that just came from heaven. And he was telling the other disciples that you can now see that it's possible to get revelation from heaven on things that you don't know and things you don't realize. And so he says, you didn't get that from man, Peter. You got that from heaven. In verse 18, he says, now I say to you, of course, his name was Simon at the time. You are now Peter. Jesus changed his name. Jesus took him from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock. It was a pretty crazy statement for Jesus to call Simon Peter now. Because he was calling Peter a rock. Watch what he says next. And upon this rock, pay attention, I, Jesus is speaking, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter was not the rock. Peter was a rock. Jesus is the rock. Come on, somebody. The rock, the foundation, is not the, it's not the name on the building. It's not the building. It's not the pastor. Pastors aren't the rocks. They're, they're just a rock, but they're not the rock. It's not programs. It's actually revelation and commitment to Jesus that would cause someone to be a rock that Jesus builds his church with. Every believer, every person that would commit their life to Jesus becomes a rock that he builds his church with and that he builds his church on. You may be asking, what is OSC all about? Well, we're about Jesus. If you boil it all down, we're really about Jesus. We love Jesus. We preach Jesus. We follow Jesus. We obey Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. And we want as many people as possible to know Jesus. Don't you know that's our mission is to to invade this whole region with the message of Jesus so that everyone would know who Jesus is? I believe it's possible for all of Eunice to be saved. I honestly believe that. That's kind of far-fetched, but I believe it. I believe it is possible. If the church will commit itself to Jesus and the message of Jesus. Because, see, here's the reality. None of us can fix ourselves. You can't save yourself. You can't forgive your own sins. Jesus Christ is the only one who can forgive you, cleanse you, and redeem you. And he's the only one who can give you hope. So Jesus says, I will build my church. This is his church. What I've I've failed to realize in the past years that I realize now is that Jesus was actually establishing a stronghold in the disciples' minds. It's a stronghold that I think the, 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 the current church in America for sure has lost. We think the church is ours or ours. I don't know why that came out wrong ours. We think the church belongs to the pastor. And there are churches in America that are built on a person, or they're built on a brand, or they're built on a building, and they're not built on Christ. Jesus established a stronghold in his disciples' mind. He said, this is my church. I will build my church. He's taking authority over the church. So much so, watch this, that the next statement he makes is this one, that and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, now, watch this. If you're a believer that's committed his life to Jesus, you're now a rock that he's building his church upon. That means this, some of you are gonna have to get this. That means this, that all of hell will never be able to conquer you. Why? Because Jesus said so. (laughs) It don't need to be any more complicated than that. Jesus said, hell will not conquer you. But boy, some days it feels like hell, huh? Some days it feels like the enemy's winning, huh? Can we be honest in church today? But that doesn't mean that you're conquered by it. And I'm telling you right now, that one statement right there, if that'll flip a switch in your mind and get you to understand something different, that I am the church that Jesus is building. I belong to, he's taking authority over me and for me. So much so that all of hell cannot conquer me. Might make you walk a little different. So the church is what we're called to be. Jesus loves the church, and the world needs the church. They just don't know that they need the church. And may we never, ever let the, deter- let the world determine what the church is supposed to be. So he said that to Peter, what a, what a great statement. I bet Peter felt really good that day. Man, I got a new name. None of you other suckers got a new name. I got a new name. You still John, bro? <laughs> Come on, y'all you know how we are. Watch what Peter makes, watch what statement Peter makes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. He says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Did you hear that? He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God. You see, you can be rejected by people and still be chosen by God and succeed in everything that you do. Come on, somebody. Don't let the rejection of man deter you from being chosen by God. If God chose you and man rejects you, honestly, if you read the scriptures, that's just a sign that you're on the right path. That's just a sign that you're actually chosen. Because they weren't rejecting you when you weren't chosen. You were just frozen. Come on, somebody. Peter says, Who is the living cornerstone of God's temple? He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Watch this. And you, he's speaking to all of us today, are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So you're not a manufactured brick. You're not rigid, stiff, or heavy. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, You're not rigid, you're not stiff. You ain't heavy. You my brother. (laughs) So Peter calls us living stones. Meaning, watch this, meaning this, that we are alive. You're not a brick sitting in the weeds over there. Can't move unless somebody moves you. You're a living stone. Active, breathing, moving, responding. If you look at our churches, our churches, we are full of people that come from all kinds of different backgrounds, ethnicities, ages, giftings, we're living stones. In the Bible, God would often bring his people to a moment where they would take steps together. Let me give you a couple of examples. The Jordan River. Everyone walked across the river together There's one example. Jericho was another example. They all marched around for seven days. On the seventh day, that mighty fortress fell, and God made them do it together. You see, there's times where God wants us to do a lot of things together. There's times that he wants us to do some big things together. This is one of those moments that we need to do some things together. I'll remind you in the New Testament of the upper room. On the day of Pentecost, it says they were all together in one accord. That's not a Honda. That means that they were in the same spirit. They were, had the same heart. That means that they were, they were going after the same thing. They were committed to the same Jesus. They were in one accord. But they were together. What happened when they were together? The Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were baptized, right? And then Peter goes out from there and he preaches. And the church is birthed. Over 3,000 people get saved in that moment. You see, God loves for us to do some things together. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 is another moment when God called his people together to build the temple. David's coming to the end of his reign and... His son Solomon is getting ready to take over, and David's getting older, and his time's done. But he's not quite finished. Second Chronicles, I mean, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we'll go from verse 1 to verse 11. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. So he's telling the whole, the whole crowd of people, the whole nation, he's saying, God's chosen my son, but he's young and inexperienced. What he's saying? My son is young and inexperienced, but God chose him. We don't ever undervalue someone's age. We don't ever undervalue someone because they're young and they're inexperienced. Come on, somebody. This is a place where we're looking for those that God chooses. That's why we've got so many young folks in all of our campuses, leading. A lot of our worship teams are getting younger and younger. Not that the old folks can't sing. Don't get offended. You should be proud that the next generation is starting to take over. I'm seeing kids that I had in children's church in Jennings almost 20 years ago starting to lead now. And it's a blessing. We believe in them because we were once one just like them. I was young too. I'm still young. The older I get, the further old goes. Right? I used to think 30 was old. So I got 20, and I'm like, 30 ain't so bad. Like now, you know, 75, 80 might be old. I don't know. But it's moving every day. <laughs> you know, what we tell our kids in OSC Kids, you don't have to wait to be great. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to wait to be great in their education in the in the in the public school systems they have to go through a certain amount of training and all this before they can graduate but in God's kingdom you don't have to wait to be great you just have to be willing so i want you to notice something here that david didn't leave solomon to figure it out for himself he set him up for success David told the, 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 the folks that he was young and inexperienced, but what he was telling them is that God chose him, and I'm going to walk along with him, and I'm going to set him up. David was looking at generations coming after him. David wasn't just concerned with his generation. He, he didn't just go, well, you know what? I did my time, and now it's time for me to go. Good luck. What did he do? He built for the next generation. He built for those he didn't even see yet. He was building for the the kids who weren't even in their mother's womb yet. He he was building for that. It says, the work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. You see, David says that what he's, he's building is not something small and insignificant, It was for the Lord God himself. What we're building is not just for us. And it's not even just for the next generation. It's for the Lord's purpose. It's for God's glory. not ours. So how do we partner with God to build his church? Because he wants us to partner with him. Here's the cool thing you need to know about God is he can do anything by himself. He just likes to do it with us. Did you hear me? He can do anything he wants to, but he don't need me. He don't need you. He can do all this by himself. He just chooses to use me and to do it with me, and that's a great privilege, amen? So how do we partner with God to build this church? Number one, we need to have a devotion to God. There needs to be a a real devotion to God. David said in verse two, using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God, and now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, David knew that he was devoted to God, he had confidence that he was devoted to God. He wasn't wondering if he was devoted to God. Come on somebody. His, his devotion to God wasn't on the table anymore. It wasn't there to negotiate anymore. He said it, and then he forget it. right? He said it. And it was established in his life, "I'm devoted to God, and now I'll walk in that. No more wondering. No more entertaining questions from the enemy. You see, whatever you love, you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure in. <laughs> David set his heart, his devotion, and his resources to the house of God. David's about to die shortly after this. And he wants to make sure that his investment is in a place where God wants it to be, where God will be worshipped and the next generation can follow him. You know there's a lot of good causes out there. You could give all your resources to saving dogs. You could. You would have a return on your investment somehow. There'd be more dogs. Or you can decide to invest in the kingdom. You see, when you invest in the world, you get an ROI, a return on investment. If you make a wise investment, you get a return on your investment. If you invest in the kingdom, you get an EROI, an eternal return on investment. In other words, there's going to be generations after us that when we're all in heaven, we'll say, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for sacrificing. Thank you for giving the best that you had. Thank you for working through the hard times. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for not giving up. You see, what happens through God's church doesn't just impact lives. It impacts eternity. And we need to get a little more eternal-minded and a little less world-minded. Would you agree? It's time to start thinking about eternity and living towards that. The second thing it's going to take to partner with God is personal sacrifice. Personal, second, I want you to watch David here. He says, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for this holy temple. Now, then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? You see, leaders go first. Cheryl and I have never led this church in such a way that we expected you to do something that we weren't willing to do ourselves. We weren't treated that way. We weren't raised that way. We go first. That's real leadership, is that I go first. I go first and invite you to follow along with me. So this whole series for the last three weeks, Cheryl and I have been praying. God, what do you wanna do through us? I took the message, not what do you want me to do, not what can I afford, but God, what do you wanna do through us? And my wife and I have this silly little game that we play. She prays by herself, I pray by myself. And then eventually we come together and we go, what the Lord said. (laughs) And so we played that game this week. We were riding in the car and I said, "So what the Lord told you. She said, I'm not telling you. (laughs) She said, you got to go first. I said, "Uh uh-uh. She said, well, I'm usually less than you are. I was like, that's right. But I ain't going first. And so we did that for like two or three days. It's fun. You see, when you get older, you just play sillier games, right? (laughs) Like, that was fun. It was a blast. Until finally we had to really have the conversation. I said, Cheryl, what's God telling you? She said, well, I know yours is going to be more. And she told me her number, and hers was more than mine. I was like, wow. And I said, praise God. We'll go with yours. So we've done everything that we've asked you to do. That's what I'm telling you. I'm not standing here saying that we haven't prayed and we haven't asked God what he wants to do through us. We've done that. And we've made sure to listen. And today we're inviting you to come along and follow. So David says, Who will follow my example? David was a giver. But this moment required him to go over and above, to sacrifice. You see, because a life of faith is a life of sacrifice. But, boy, we Americans don't like to sacrifice anymore, huh? Do you realize we're Americans and we are who we are because of the men and women who sacrificed? Who were willing to die for our freedoms? Come on, somebody. That's why thousands and thousands of people are flooding into the country to experience what men and women have sacrificed their lives for. We get to live in that now. Now, I want to show you something real quick. I think it's really awesome. This place that Solomon's getting ready to build the temple is on the mountain of Moriah. The mountain of Moriah is a very significant place. It is. If you' back up to Genesis chapter 22, Abraham has been waiting for a son. he's old, finally gets his son. And the Lord tells him in verse 2 of chapter 22, says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. This is the place that God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham obeys and goes to sacrifice his only son, and God stops him and provides a ram. Don't tell me God's not moved by sacrifice. I said, Don't tell me God's not moved by sacrifice. Don't tell me God's not paying attention to your sacrifice. Verse 14 says this, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And now years later, David's handing the baton to his son, and they're going to build, finally going to build a temple for God's presence. And it's on the same place, the same piece of ground that Abraham was willing to give his son up, his one and only son. There's something significant about a place sacrifice. It's usually followed by a place of provision. So wherever you sacrifice, God will provide. So two weeks ago, I preached a message about vision. And we had some folks stand up in the church and they gave, we gave them a big hand and some folks that have been here for years and some that have just recently come and I want you to understand that you're sitting in their sacrifice. You weren't in Jennings, but there were some folks that stood up in Jennings that had been with the church for over 20 years. And those folks gave to plant this campus. They sacrificed to expand the work, to reach more people and build more lives. And we're sitting in that place. Last week, uh, when we watched the video of the construction that started in Crowley, how many of you were here, you saw that video? It It was an incredible video, right? We all rejoiced and clapped and, yes, yes. Let me tell you what happened to me in that experience. When I saw that video on the screen, that was the first time I seen it. When I saw that video on the screen, I was rewinded by about 14 years when we walked into this building for the first time, and and we had a work day, but we didn't video that stuff. (laughs) We weren't that technical. And we started busting out walls, and we had people with sweat and sheetrock dust, and ain't no telling what other kind of dust all over us. And and we just worked our tails off and filled up dumpsters of trash just to make a home where we can be together as a family and reach people and build lives. And so when I saw what was happening in Crowley, I was like, man, I remember when that happened here. I remember when our focus was Jennings and we said, we got to get bigger than that. And we went to Eunice and then we said, okay, great, Eunice is established. We got to get bigger than that. We went to Crowley. And now Crowley's getting their own place and we're so excited for them. So David challenges the leaders to follow his example so they too could see God provide. And the third thing you need to partner with God is you need an all-in heart. This one's slippery. You need an all-in heart. An all-in heart. Verse 6 says, then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, the king's administrative officers all gave what? Willingly. The people rejoiced over the offerings. They, for they had given, watch this, freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. You see, the characteristics of someone who goes all in is they give willingly They give freely and they give wholeheartedly. Let me tell you one of the most exhausting things as a pastor is trying to get people to be free and freely give, trying to get people to be willing, and then trying to get people to go wholeheartedly. It's one of the most exhausting things. Because you have to encourage people sometimes and you have to lead them and you have to go before them and you got to turn back and teach them. And you got all these things and you go, man, could you just get some freedom on your own? Could you just get some willingness on your own? Could you just do this thing wholeheartedly for Jesus? Because this is what I've learned. If I got to motivate you, then I can also offend you and cause you to leave and you really weren't all in in the beginning. Jesus, I mean Jesus, Cheryl and I, you see the relation? (laughs) Cheryl and I have been highly offended. We've been here for 20 something years. We've been offended to the point of quitting. We've had conversations about quitting that we had to later on repent for. The people have offended us. The people have hurt us. The people have let us down, but we didn't commit to people. We committed to Jesus. We went all in with Jesus knowing that people are flawed because if people weren't flawed, Jesus would have never said to make allowance for their faults. So we're all in, which means this, that I can be offended. I could not like what's going on. I could disagree, but I'm all in because of Jesus. This is how God desires all of us to give to him. Not under obligation, not begrudging, not forcefully, and not half-hearted. Cheryl and I grabbed our our gift this morning, our offering. We laid hands on it. And the first thing we did is we thanked God for giving us seed to sow. Because we didn't know where it was going to come from. We put our hands on it and we said, Lord, thank you for, number one, for giving us seed to sow. Second thing we prayed for is we said, Lord, thank you for giving us some good soil to sow it into. You see, we're Christians before we're pastors. We're committed to Jesus before we're committed to this church, to OSC. But we, we still, even after 20-some years, we still believe in what God's doing through OSC. And we thank God for giving us some soil to sow the seed into. So the characteristics are they give willingly, freely, and wholeheartedly. It continues, and King David was filled with joy. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth are yours, O oh Lord, and, your, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Joyful worship is the overflow of wholehearted generosity, it's the overflow. It's never been about buildings. It's about hearts. It's about the hearts of the people. It's not about the building. It's not about sheetrock and two by fours and bricks. This is all God's. It's all from Him and it's all for Him. Let me show you a short video this morning of some real life change. Watch this with me. I'll come back and wrap it up afterwards.
1: So 2017, from the outside looking in, you know, successful family. Uh, I, I had a great career. I was in the. You know, in the process of having a good career in the oil field. I'd been in the oil field since I was nineteen years old and you know making six figures and she was at home, had a really good job at home and we from the outside looking at everything was awesome. but from the inside and behind closed doors, it was not awesome.
2: Things were separate. Mm-hmm. He did his thing. I did my thing. Our marriage wasn't unified. A lot of things uh, came to light in a very short period.
1: There was an affair that we had. A, there was an affair that took place, and so we, our marriage is about as low as a marriage can get. Uh, we've been just it, really, really bad situations. And guy I was working with said, "Man, look, there's a there's a preacher man with a black beard and black frame glasses in Jennings that's just pulling a lot of people." We're sitting on a platform out in the out in White Lake, and I get on my phone and and i just searched church in jennings Mm -hmm. the our savior's churches were were, they were doing the 21 day prayer and fasting and i started watching them and watching them and i was like man is this what church looks like Mm -hmm. so i ended up messaging pastor josh with questions maybe the first first or so week in february came down and we walked through the doors and it was just like home we were like blown one of y'all saw us grabbed us, brought us right into the dream team room, like cleared the dream team room out. Pastor Jacob was there, it's the first time I ever met him. And he prayed over me and listened. Pastor Jacob said divine circumstances mm-hmm. in his prayer. And for me, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that, that was the day that I gave my life to the Lord. It was March 18th. When I gave my life to the Lord, it wasn't just me raising my hand. I went from a broken man to a restored man <laughs> in that moment. And knowing a whole lot of pain followed that moment <laughs> <laughs> knowing that it's not a broken Stephen anymore. This mm-hmm. is a restored Stephen. And I can remember me and Alyssa on the way home, we were like, what just
2: happened? <laughs> this was it. It was right. the feeling of we might've found what was missing. The conversations just we had about, you know, being dedicated to attend and like just really go all in with it. We knew that we needed to do something different. We didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know really the dedication it would take, but we decided, okay, if if we're gonna stick this out, if we're gonna make this work, if we're gonna be different and do different, like we're gonna have to go all in. We're gonna have to give it 100%, even when we don't feel like it.
1: The the common denominator though, is that we were both hungry for, Mm -hmm. we were hungry for our
2: savior. We drove eight months, two hours here, sometimes stayed both services or at the time maybe it was three services we're all in this way like we're coming for eight months we need to be here so ended up starting to pack our house up (laughs) not even looking for houses yet but began to pack things in our house and just really trusted god to provide a way i think one of the biggest things that surprised us is Maybe we were about 2 years in to being all in, to coming like we were living here, serving, doing life groups. And I want to believe we got connected with somebody who, you know, was going through relationship troubles and our our initial thoughts were like, why us? Like what? Yeah. Why are they being sent our way? You know, we're still in that phase of healing and restoration and figuring things out and learning to do things God's way. And then you know all of a sudden like oh you want you want us to help yep why you know that's the question why do you need me you know and i think it was just a kickstart of what god wanted to use us for right. and to show that even though you're broken and even though you're still healing god can still use you probably about 3 years ago i very clearly heard God say that he was going to be a pastor. But it's kind of one of those things I tucked in the back of my mind and I was like, okay, well then I'll just go ahead and start preparing for that whenever the time comes. And so, and I think I even told you about it.
1: You did. I was like, no way. (laughs) And
2: that was the exact reaction. (laughs) In summer of, was it 21? He came home and said, you're not going to believe the conversation I just had with Pastor Jamie. (sighs) And I was like, okay, tell me all about it. This is great. And so he was like, he asked me, what would you think if we offered you a role as a pastor? And I was like, why are you surprised? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I was like, didn't I tell you this two years ago? God told me this would happen. Just knew the why. After looking back at everything that had happened, at where we were, at all we have gone through, and then all the growth that had taken place. Like we knew why. We have a lot of people walking in the doors, searching for the same things that we were searching for. But we've also got so many that are willing to help in that, that want to see these people know Jesus, that want to see these people get connected into relationships that are gonna be life-changing. Because yes, Jesus is the one that changes our hearts, and we have to surrender that to Him but people have played the largest role in our life. Our girls, I think about how different their life is than, than my life was as a child, you know, coming from broken homes, uh, both of us actually, not really having, oh, people teach me how to have a relationship with God, but my kids have that now. Like, people pour into them, they love them, they show them the love of Christ, and so I'm super grateful for that. Everything has changed in our marriage.
1: I tell people literally the only thing is the same and it's even not that, like, is the way we look. (laughs) There's, There's nothing the same about our marriage now compared to what it was five and a half years ago.
2: Even though we don't have it perfect, God still wants to use us. And it's just us saying yes and willing to be used.
0: Can we give the Lord a big hand for that? Come on, somebody. Awesome. So it's not a matter of if we should give, but how do we give? Let me give you three quick ways on how to give. Number one, we give with gratitude. I don't know if you realize this, but this is a thank you, God moment. It's a thank you, God moment. How many of you are thankful for what God's done in your life? How many of you could connect with their story? We give with gratitude. Number two, we give by faith. This is a faith stretching moment. By faith, we're sowing into the future. Faith doesn't ask, what what can I afford? Faith asks, what do you want to do through me? God, what do you want to do through me? And then the third way that we give is we give together. We're giving our lives to the kingdom message and to the kingdom mission. And the goal of reach and build has been 100% participation. It's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. That's all we're asking for. For those of you that call OSC your home. Because we're in every one church. So in this moment, we're going to worship. And we're going to give our reach and build miracle offering. And each of our campuses are in need of more space to reach more people. I was thinking this morning how how good it is to belong to God's kingdom. Because even in the world that we're currently living in, where things are dying and closing and and destroying, we're in a kingdom that's still growing. We're in a kingdom that's still thriving. What a good problem to need more space in our buildings for more people. Amen? What a good problem. If this was a business, this would be a good problem that would need a solution. So in our Jennings campus, they're they're needing to expand their parking and they're doing some facility upgrades. Here we're going to expand the worship center. We're going to blow the walls back, add about 30 or 40 more chairs so that we could stay at one service a little bit longer. We're going to take all the rooms out along this wall, this back wall here to the back door. And we're going to take the little office out in the front we're going to open the kitchen up and we're going to create a four-year space where you can actually walk around without bumping somebody. And you can enjoy your coffee for a minute and you can connect and you can hang out. And there are going to be times for encouragement and ministry. And so we're going to do that. And then Crowley is relocating and they're remodeling the USDA building. So we have a God gap of $300,000. And that's what we're trusting God for. Between all three campuses, $300,000. I don't say that to put pressure on you. I say that to make you aware of what God's getting ready to do. Amen? It's his church. He's the one that's going to build it, right? So this is what I want you to do right now. If you're participating in the Reach and Build offering, I want you to grab a giving envelope on the back of the chair in front of you. Grab that envelope. You'll only need one per family. You can put cash or you can put a check in the envelope and you can give online. If you're giving online, we still want you to grab an envelope and write what you're going to give online or what you've already given online. If you're giving online, you're going to give to legacy. That's where it's just just directing the the gift to go is, is Legacy. So if you're giving online, just make sure to click legacy. We don't want the tithe to get confused with the offering. And some of you, you may not be able to give at this time, but you want to give in the future. Just write on the envelope what you're pledging. Just say, I pledge this amount. No pressure. None at all. And this ain't between me and you. If you noticed, I didn't call you this week to butter you up. I didn't call you this week and harass you and remind you that we have an offering coming. I didn't bother you at all. Because that's not my job. Amen? So I want us to take this holy moment, once you've done that, there's some buckets on the front. If you're giving today, I want you just to come forward. The band's going to lead us in a worship song. Come forward, give your offering, and then I'll come back up and give us a few announcements after we're finished worshiping. God, I thank you that you build your church. I thank you that you're the one that moves on the heart of your people. God, I thank you that we can rejoice in all that's been done today and that will be done in the next couple of weeks. God, we thank you that you provide every need that we have. We celebrate that. We also rest in that. And we thank you for your goodness to us, God. You're my provider. You're our provider. And we trust you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.